Thanks for listening to the Woodward Podcast Network. Check out more shows by searching for us on Spreaker or wherever you catch your podcasts. The Woodward Podcast Network with Krupka Dental Associates. Hello, this is Dr. John Krupka from Krupka Dental. We now have the Saleo Laser. You can have your fillings done without needles nor drills. We are a full-service dental office and always accepting new patients. To learn more about me and my friendly team, visit KrupkaDental.com. Hi, this is Kara Kamke, Conservation Warden here in Appleton, and welcome to another hour of Living the Outdoors here on the school. Attention, turkeys! From the tree stand that is the Fast Sign Studios, more than fast, more than signs, this is your home for the ultimate outdoor discussion. It's Living the Outdoors with Mark Druitt. From hunting and fishing to the trends and gear you need to be successful in the wild. Be part of the show by calling 281-1570 or 866-653-1570. Now your host, Mark Druig. Greetings and welcome to the Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druig. Thanks for tuning us in tonight. We got our uh, annual two-hour deer hunting special coming to you live from Fleet Farm here in Appleton. So if you're out and about, please stop by. We'd love to see you, talk with you. If you have any questions, you can... Uh, Come up to us and we'll try and get those answered for you. But we are here to celebrate the 2018 deer hunting season. And uh, we've got a great crew. Uh, my good friend Randy Brockrops joining us here tonight. Randy, how are you? I'm doing great. Tis the season again. Hard to believe that we're like already here. It seems like we just uh, we just did this. The, the weather feels like we should be here. But, right. um, you know, when you walk through, as soon as you walk in the store, it, it's you get that feel because it's orange. There's a lot of orange everywhere. Yeah. It's the, the pumpkin army has been unleashed. Yes, and there's gadgets and gear in every aisle, and, and people are filling their carts, and they're getting ready for the weekend. Yeah, it's like a Christmas for the hunter. It is. It All is. Right. Well, it's great to have you along. We're going we're gonna to have some fun and, and uh, talk about a lot of stuff this evening. And we've got uh, Brian Woodbury with us. Brian, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Thanks again for joining us here. You're, you're a well-seasoned veteran now. It's been sure. multiple years, but we're, we're glad to have you with us tonight. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And then we've got a couple of wardens with us as well. We've got our uh, my normal co-host, Kara Kampke, is joining us here tonight. Kara, how are you doing? Very good. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's always a pleasure. And uh, we also have Amanda Kretschmer joining us as well. Amanda, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for uh, inviting me here. Yeah, glad to have you. So here we are. You know, 2018, you know, obviously there are some changes of things that we're going to be talking about, but, uh, you know, I'm just going to kind of kick it off tonight and kind of just uh, put Randy out on the uh, forefront here and offer my heartfelt congratulations on your bull kill this year. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. It's been a few years since I, I let an arrow go, and I was able to, to shoot a nice buck last Friday morning with the snow just coming straight down really hard, and it was it was almost surreal as you sat in the stand and, it, you know, it was there was hardly any wind, and that snow was just coming down very, very hard and heavy. And the deer were up on their feet; they were moving, and it, it just felt like something was going to happen that morning. I once the cold front came in last week, it, it seemed like it put the bigger deer on their feet, and they were moving regularly. And it just happened to be in the right place at the right time on on Friday morning. You know, that's a, a you know the kind of the best position is being in the right place at the right time. Stand placement. You know, that's always a helpful, uh, but you got to have that deer coming by you right at that at that moment in time. You know, that's kind of how it is, especially during the rut. They, they don't typically, they can zigzag all over the place. They're just searching. And, uh, you know, a couple of times before that, I had nice bucks come through, and, and when you want them to zig, they zagged. And, and there's no real 
real pattern to it at that point. He just, I guess there's a little bit of luck involved because the way that buck was going that I'd shot, he was clearly going to skirt me and, and be gone. And for some reason, he just, he took a left. He just decided to take a left and come right through in front of me. And, and that was pretty much it from there. <laughs> well, typically, that's when they do that, they make that, they're coming right towards you and then they make that hard turn directly away. Away from, from you, correct, yeah. correct. And that, that, and that uncanny ability that they have to figure out something or what it is, but, you know, it's like they never come on a, on a straight line. Right, right. And, it, you know, the whole thing was just uh, with the snow and just my son was with me. He had he was bowling on the other end of our property that morning, and he had actually seen this buck early in the morning and or right off the bat when he got in his stand, and it came through past him, and he couldn't get a shot at it. And, and he had... Uh, we have these little two-way radios, and he said something to me. He says, hey, he says, Dad, there's a really nice shooter coming your way. And I said, I know I shot him already. <laughs> he said, and he, he he just about fell out of his tree. But it was a neat experience. It was great to have him there with me, and we, yeah. we really celebrated it. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's great when you're on your own, but it's even better when you have somebody to give you a high five. Yeah, exactly. And on the backside of that, help you drag it out too. Yeah, that, that helps too. That's <laughs> Doing yeah. that alone, I mean, you get your adrenaline is up high enough that it's not as much of an issue, but it sure is, um, it sure is uh, you know, great to have somebody to help you do it. It's amazing what the snow will do too. They just slide so yep. nice on that snow. It, it made a big difference because we had a long way to go. Well, you know, having one of those little plastic carts, or you remember those old uh, roll-up? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, that's kind of what that sleds used to have when we were kids. Yep, yep. That those work really well. You bet. Or one of those actual deer sleds. Spray a little Pam on the bottom yeah. of it. And take it for a ride. You know, you could almost use a push pole and push it down the road. Right, and get it out of right. The woods. But um, no, I, I, I'm really happy for you. You're one of the best human beings I know, and nobody <laughs> deserves it more than, than you, because you work hard. I see you practice all the time, and you, you do your due diligence, and and you put your time in. So. Um, a heartfelt congratulations. Thank you. you very much. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, yeah. now here, you all geared up for the uh, for the for the gun season. I am. I'm ready. Are you? Um, yep. There's not a lot of not a lot of changes. Change the weapon and change the clothing, and then I'm right back to where I was before. But I'll go with both of my boys, and 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 we'll have just. It's all about that for me right now. It's just going with the boys and seeing what they can do. Yeah, the camaraderie of it, and the and the deer camp mentality that you kind of have when you have a a group of guys and as we all know wisconsin has such a huge heritage of deer hunting yeah and, and the traditional deer camps i think have really i think they're still out there but i don't know if it's as much of a uh, of a deal as it used to be because i know back in the day that was that was it sure it was off to deer camp and you know grandpas and everybody and playing cards and all that kind of stuff cooking chili and all that it's all that fun stuff how many guys you know that don't you know they go up they don't even hunt they just want to be a part of the crowd there right. they want to be at camp and and you'll start to see the the motorcades tomorrow probably already on the roads you know starting to head north but usually thursday friday for sure um it just becomes a becomes a wisconsin holiday yeah i actually was uh driving on the highway today and saw several um orange pieces of apparel displayed proudly in the back of uh, pickup <laughs> trucks and such like that so yeah i mean it, the the it, it's all started and it's ready to rock and roll and it's uh it's such a big deal and you know especially now because of the uh, uh you know i think the deer population is is good from what i've been hearing and we'll, we'll have uh you know brian give us an idea of that as well but you know i've heard a lot of uh, of good positive things that there's 
but there's a lot of animals out there and, and uh, the, the population is healthy. So hopefully everybody will have some good luck. Yeah, I, I would think so. And, uh, you know, from what I've seen, everything looks good. And, again, I'm, I'm anxious to talk to Brian about a lot of different things in that area and category. And uh, But, no, it, it, it really uh, it should be a fun year. The weather, there will be a little snow in places left yet from uh, what fell last week it'll be cold i mean not not frigid though i mean you know it sounds like the high saturday around 30 31 oh that's that's primo yeah so i mean not too much wind and cold enough to to get the animals to move i remember several years we were having that discussion last week about all the different opening day conditions that we've had all the way from fog so dense that i could actually hear the deer walking you know but i couldn't see them (laughs) uh and and the uh the the wind yeah you know, the, the one opening day, it was so windy, it was hard to even stay in the stand. Yep. And cold and snow, and you just never know what's going to happen. But this November seems to have the right recipe it seems for a good to, opening day. And there's a chance, I think, that there's going to be, the, there's still going to be a trickle of that rut left out there. I think so. I think it, it, it was, uh, it's been really, it's trickled out for a couple of weeks now, you know, yeah. and you'll have a couple of days here that it was a little heavier, but. Uh, right now, I think it's going to go into next weekend for sure. Well, and I, you know, Brian will probably, um, you know, talk about that. But the rut isn't like it comes for two weeks and it's gone. It's it lasts a little while, tapers right. off, but you know, not all the does come into estrus at the same time. Right. So right. It, it definitely could get in some uh, some rutting activity, and you may have a good opportunity of that because not as many people drive deer anymore right. as they used to. So you know, some of those deer can actually uh, stay with some of their natural movement. The last buck I shot on my property came out about 45 minutes before closing. You know, sure. came out with a bunch of does, and yep. they're all feeding in the field. And, you know, typically on uh, that opening day towards the evening there, <laughs> you know, animals have been chased around a little bit. So, yeah. you know, things are a yeah. lot different out there. But, hey, we're coming to you live from Fleet Farm here in Appleton. If you want to stop by, we're located up in the hunting department back where the ground blinds are. We'd love to uh, have you stop by and say hello. We are doing our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden two-hour special uh, focusing on the uh, 2018 deer hunting season. And uh, uh, we're glad that Fleet Farms invited us to come here. And, you know, we're in celebration of that. They got their big uh, Orange Friday celebration coming up here. That's a pretty big deal. That is a huge deal. And it's going to be obviously this Friday, November 16th. Open the doors at 6 o'clock. And I'm sure there will be some free giveaways. And there will be a lot of stuff. It's really... It's, it's, it's a circus, but in a fun way. Yeah. <laughs> You'll get to see me there. I, uh, us, a few biologists and technicians plan to be at uh, Orange Friday across Fleet Farms all across Wisconsin. Awesome. And I'll be at Appleton Fleet Farm as well, shaking oh. hands and answering questions. Nice. Very cool. Well, that's kind of nice, you know, any of those last-minute people getting licenses and being able to answer questions and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. That'll yeah, be fantastic. great. So, yeah. yeah. Like I said, it's hard to believe that we're actually here doing this again. It seems like it was just uh, yesterday, but time yeah. flies when you're having uh, this much fun. It, it it does, it does, and uh, you know with the rut still still rolling on right now, you know, again, I I, I pulled something interesting out of the post crescent that they had uh, about car deer crashes because you still you have to be vigilant every day almost. It seems like, but true. It said in, in 2017, November 8th was the peak day for vehicle crashes. That was, which makes sense, um, 213 on that one day. And, uh, the That's year, a lot. <laughs> the year before that, the peak day was November 10th. Um, 
So it's kind of it stays pretty consistent throughout uh, throughout every year it seems like. But the lowest number of deer crashes was on New Year's Day. Is is everybody just still tucked into bed, or they don't drive around, or they just had enough? But New Year's Day there were seven. But not one day went past last year where there wasn't at least one car crash with a deer. 365 days. That's Wisconsin. That yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But you can always kind of tell. You know, if you do a lot of traveling on the roads of Wisconsin, you can start to see when the rutting activity starts to pick up. Yep. It always, for me, my indicator was seeing those yearlings oh, yeah. on the road and yeah. then, then some of the smaller bucks and then... You know, if you were lucky enough to see one of the bigger ones, but they usually get picked up relatively quickly. But uh, at least that's my interpretation of that, just from traveling from here to Wapaka multiple times, you know, three, four times a week. Yep. Uh, you kind of get a get a glimpse, and you know exactly where you need to slow down. Oh, yeah. There's know, that trip between Wapaka and um, Scandinavia, and then from there to Iola. Yeah. That was like running a gauntlet the first week in November. <laughs> it's, like, it's like Frogger a little bit. You well, know, it was exactly like Frogger. And, I, you know, driving by um, Krause Publications, which is right on the east end of town, there, there'd be deer running in people's yards, running down the road. I remember the, well, the first couple of years I owned my property there, I was just amazed at how many deer were running right through the city. Sure. Well, our friend Leo Kuyper Jr., who's in the house tonight, He's eating licorice, by the he's way. <laughs> he's giving away free licorice here at Fleet Farm in Appleton. So. Most of the show at 2 a.m. every uh, every day of the week, and then Fantasy Football Weekly at 5 o'clock tomorrow night. He had a harrowing experience last nice, Friday Nice shameless night. plug for your show there, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was telling us he had a he had a close uh, close encounter. He almost hit a, a, a big, he said it was a 10-point buck right in town last Friday night. He said it was. How big? Yeah, he's showing us oh, right now. He's, he's doing bullwinkle he's impression <laughs> right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably like this, probably a little basket at 10-pointers. If not for his tremendous athletic prowess and his quick reflexes, that could have been really bad. Could have been a 10-point hood ornament. I know it, but he managed to get out of it, and, and that's it. But they can be anywhere. They can be in town. Uh, I, and it's, it's amazing how quickly they, they get in front of you. Right. Like I always say, if there's the first one, you better slow down. Right. Because there's typically another one or another one after that. That uh, um, If I see an eyeball, right I'm, I'm jamming on the brakes. It's just a, it's a reflex. It's just it doesn't matter. I've jammed on the brakes for a lot of mailbox reflectors, too. But, you know. Well, you can't you can't be too <laughs> you can't be too uh, too cautious in that. But this reminds me of a story. I got to tell this because it's absolutely hysterical. Um, I was driving back from hunting um, at the property in Iola. And it was about, it was the first week in November because I was used to spend a lot of time there. But there was always a cornfield on the corner that was only maybe 10 feet from the road. They put the corn that right close to, to the, the road. road There's almost, no yeah. ditch. And it's a hard 90 degree turn yep. when you come in. Well, typically by that time of year, that corn is cut. Well, the ground was so soft they couldn't get in there to cut the corn. And I'm coming around that corner and I'm going about 20 miles an hour because I know anything can happen. And I look in my side of my mirror, and there's like, there's the deer's face. You know, and you kind of get that cartoon look where their <laughs> eyes get about as big as softball. Smashes into the side of my truck. Rolls down, and I've got one of those carriers on the back. Yeah. One of those racks. Yep. His head and his antlers are stuck in between the rack and my bumper. And I can see his feet are kicking. I'm like, 
how, how do you, where do you even start wow. to do anything about that? So I'm sitting there, it seemed like an hour, but it's probably like three minutes figuring out what exactly I'm going to do. Well, I opened up the door, and at that, by that time, I could see him. He was standing up and actually got himself unstuck from you got that. Freed out. I, I would not have known what to do. I mean, what do you do? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, and I just stood there, and I go, I, this just didn't happen. <laughs> you know, this just didn't happen. Yeah. And I didn't notice until after I got home that he had, his antlers had scratched all the way down <laughs> the side of my truck. But that's, that is uh, one of my uh, more humorous stories. Yeah. Well, of, uh, yeah, I don't know what you do at that point. I really no. don't. It's to stand there and, the, and look your at your amazement and scratch your head and go, okay, what's my <laughs> next move here? But, uh, you know, uh, funny story nonetheless. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, again, it still have to be cautious about driving out there. They're still moving around pretty good. They are. They are. And uh, it's going to continue for another week, I would say. And But, yeah, you're definitely going to see the, the caravans heading out in the next couple of days, and it should be a fun season with the weather. I mean, the weather's going to be pretty, pretty decent. So Yeah. And, uh, you know, I – Spent a lot of time up in the up in the North Woods this fall, doing a lot of bird hunting, and pleasantly surprised at how the deer population has rebounded up in Langley County. Yeah, where I actually saw a lot of rubs, a lot of scrapes, a lot of uh, physical sign. Um, didn't see any bucks. Obviously, you know they're there, but right. Plenty. I saw plenty of plenty of deer, and and there were years, Randy, um, where I'd be grouse hunting, wouldn't cut a single track. But now, uh, but now it seems like they've rebounded quite well, and, and uh, that's good to see up there because that's there's a lot of public ground up there. There's a lot of good uh, a lot of good deer hunting up there. I did a lot of my shed hunting and stuff up there uh, in my earlier days. So the, the deer are definitely up there, but it's such it's such big area, it's big country. How, you know, how do you it, find a spot? To, it really is, but spot I think to sit. you got to scout. Yep. But I think the winter, you know, and Brian can attest to this that it's you know that that has a large large impact on how these herds fluctuate um yeah the winter does affect them yeah from the up north and antlers permits so uh, we only have one buck only county this year in iron county so a lot of the seed acts are saying there's deer out there so they're giving permits for them and who actually decides on those permit numbers uh the county deer advisory committees so there's 72 one in each county yep, and they're yep. in charge of uh, setting the antlers quota or bonus permits and uh, so there's a public involvement process, so any hunter or citizen can be involved in that process. It usually happens in March and April. Uh, so you can help determine uh, what the quota is going to be for your county. Where are they getting the data from, or is it that they use to just make those determinations? So the data comes from multiple sources because it's not just the um, standard DNR uh, sex age kill formula. Mm -hmm. They're using other metrics like car kill collision data, forestry data, uh, agricultural data, uh, citizen comments, um, and stuff like that to formulate their their objective. Sure, mm -hmm. sure. And these are all volunteers, right? All volunteers. Brian, of yep. people within, across the, the board as far as where they are in the community, but all people obviously who have a passion for, for the white-tailed deer. Yep, there's a, they're all volunteer. They represent a group. Uh, so there's hunters, there's hunting clubs, there's a transportation representative, a farm bureau representative, uh, the DNR is there for advice. And so they're all volunteers and they all have a passion for deer and uh, they want to kind of have a kind of that local say in deer management for their county. Sure, sure. And who handles like, uh, 
the crop damage end of things? So the crop damage program is administered through the county. So each county land water conservation department administers that, and sometimes they subcontract that with USDA Wildlife Services. Okay. Uh, so they run the program. They do all the appraisals. They follow all the regulations. They approve the claims. Um, so they're the ones that run the program. The DNR's only involvement is if they get a shooting permit. Okay. Whether it's for deer, bear, turkeys, yep. or geese, then we would be involved because we have that authority and the county does not. Okay. Okay. Sure. Okay. I, I, Good I, question. Well, I know that, yeah, and um, the farmer that hunts right next or has property right next to mine, he he got 20 permits this year, and that that's, you know, it, that's a lot of takes. Takes a takes a hard hit, you know. It's well, that's if they fill all twenty. So typically, it's they're like regular deer permits. You know, we don't fill all the permits that are out there. Sure. Because there are success rates, and people are only going to shoot the deer that are there. So, the the idea to have made of those main tags to have a tag available for his hunters, knowing okay. that his brother is not going to come out but once a month. Yeah. And but he's going to eat up that tag. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of have to compensate for that success rate and. And hunter pressure and so if he gets 20 tags does he have to use 20 tags no there's a quota that he has to fill okay got it mm -hmm. got okay. it okay so he doesn't he's not compelled to complete to fill every one right. of those tags right. but okay. at least that's interesting it, at least get something in there to you know take the take the pressure off the crops yeah and then uh care i want to bounce over to you just for a quick question we're talking about deer crashes with cars and do those deer need to be registered yes if if the person that hits the deer or the person that comes up after the crash plans to take the deer, they do have to register it. So if you're just going to leave the deer on the side of the road and not do anything and whoever picks up car kill deer come and picks it up, that doesn't need to be registered. But if you plan to take any part of that deer home, you do have to call in our car kill deer registration and register that deer. And you are required to take the whole deer. You can't just cut the antlers off. Okay. And is it the same for bear? What about not the same? Any um, deer and turkey do have to be car kill registered. Turkey as well. Yep, yep. And most other car kill species, we don't have an easy registration system, but you still can call us to get possession of that animal. Got it. Um, so call in, and if you want possession of it, we can work through that. Who are you call Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I, I will add that you've got to make sure you call the deer in before you physically take it from the roadway. So you can't, if you hit the deer... Before you put that deer in your car and take it home, it does have to be registered to the deer hotline. Okay. See, that I wouldn't have thought of because yep. you know, it's not like you have two days right. to right. do it. You yep. have so to do before, it. before you can touch that deer, throw it in the back of your truck, vehicle, whatever, it has to be registered through that car kill hotline. There we Good go. There's the answer to your question. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take our first bake. When we come back, we'll have more of our live edition of Ask a Game Warden here on The Score. All right, welcome back to the Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. We are coming to you live from Fleet Farm in Appleton. It is a two-hour special to celebrate the 2018 deer hunting season. Um, and we have uh, a couple of wardens here with us. We also have Brian Woodbury joining us uh, here to talk about the, the deer population, some of the cool deer stuff. So uh, Absolutely. Yeah. If you're out and about, stop and see us. We'd love to see you. 
Before we bounce it to Brian, I, I have to correct something that I said in the first segment because I'm getting harassing texts from people everywhere. So Leo Kuyper Jr. is in-house, and he and Balky have a show called The Show, and it's on at 2 p.m. in the afternoons. Not 2 a.m., it's 2 p.m. in the afternoons. A lot of people caught that. A show called The Show, how original. It's The Show. So God, he is getting a lot of shameless plugs here. I <laughs> hope he's going to do that for... You know, for the Living the Outdoor show somewhere down the road. I know he here. will. I don't know how you tie that into fantasy football or sports or all that other kind of stuff with uh, jock straps and shorts and <laughs> that kind of stuff. I don't know how you tie in outdoors well, to that, but he'll figure we'll leave it, it out. up to him. He'll, figure, he'll, t- he'll tell him <laughs> that it's on at 5 a.m., I'm sure. Yeah, so. exactly. Anyway, so, Brian, lots of questions here for you tonight sure. in terms of uh, the, the overall state of the deer herd right now. Would you say it's, it's pretty good? Yeah, I think it's pretty good. You know, like you mentioned earlier, people are seeing more deer and uh, more signs of deer. Uh, you can see in the CDAX, they have antlerless permits available for the first time in a few years. We have just one buck-only county, Iron County. Uh, so the CDAX are looking at, yeah, there's more opportunities out there. Uh, we have growing deer herd. Uh, but like I always say every year, deer are not evenly dispersed across the landscape. So some people have better habitat, some people don't. So the amount of deer they see may be up or down uh, on a yearly basis, but right. it depends on their habitat, their hunting pressure and all that stuff. But in general, overall, if you look at a statewide perspective, uh, we have more deer out there. Sure, sure. And I, and I, I did some hunting in the northern area this mm-hmm. year as well, and it does look, you know, it looked better this year. It, looked, yep. it, it was noticeably different. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was great. Yep. The, the real... Uh, I guess the real hot button yet is CWD. Yep. And uh, I'm noticing a lot more proactive steps, if you will. And I got to be a part of, uh, I took my uh, my deer head in today mm-hmm. to the Oshkosh Service Center. Sure. And um, I have to give a shout out to this, this, this young lady as well, Rachel Brookins. Maybe you know her. Yep. She knew you. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a real seamless process. Uh, took the deer head in, and basically you're taking the lymph nodes out mm-hmm. yep i know there's a lot of misnomers about that because people don't want to get their heads tested because they're afraid you're gonna maybe ruin the cape ruin the head you can't get anything done with it after that but it really was not bad at all no yeah and we provide free hunter tested for cwd just call your local biologist or technician from your county or where you're hunting and they'll do that for free we also have kiosks around the state especially near these uh, positive game farms or positive wild animals that you can take your deer in. Uh, but it's pr- like you said, it's very simple. We basically need just the neck portion. So uh, if you shoot a big deer and you get it caped out, just bring it to us afterwards. It can be frozen. We can just take it and let it thaw out and then take the sample. Uh, you can do it on the way home. Um, just need to call the local biologist and they'll make an appointment. Sure, and there's and there's a number of kiosks around the state right now. I, if, if you look at the DNR website, you can find one fairly close. Yep. You know, I mean, they're, they're they're spread around really well, and and I really like it that some of these are just they're self-serving, correct? Yep. Right. So how does the process go if you go to a self-serving kiosk? Uh, so this it's a kiosk. So when you show up, they have all the equipment there, you know, all the forms, and uh, kind of a step-by-step instruction. Um, basically, um, you just need to cut off the deer's head from uh, the neck up if you want to, you know, cut the antlers off or anything like that. Uh, you can do that too, and then you just bag it up, fill out your data, and there's uh, freezers or refrigerators on site. You just throw in there, and the DNR comes by about every couple of days to collect those heads, 
take the sample and ship them uh, for testing. Our test time is about uh, two weeks, 14 yep. days. Yep. And that includes weekends, so it's pretty fast turnaround time uh, once you submit your deer head. Sure. And I just think it's important that people do this. Uh, you know, it just I think the data is going to be invaluable, mm -hmm. and I think it just helps everyone just to, you yeah. know, y y y whether you're 100% sure or not. You can't be ever 100% sure unless it's tested, but mm -hmm. it just, I think it helps, and I, I'm really impressed at how the process went, and uh, it was it was pretty simple just to go in and get it tested. And, and right. like, now if you go to a kiosk, you get a number, because yep. I got a number today, and mm -hmm. I could just go on uh, the website given to me, and in a week or two weeks yep. and uh, just check it and yep. put that number in and they're going to tell you right there. Yep. Each, each sample has a unique number, barcode, and that's tracked with your sample all the way through the process, all through uh, the, the diagnostic lab. And so everything's tied to that number, uh, unique number, you'll get a medallion. And so you can check that um, on the webpage and yeah, they'll actually contact you by postcard uh, with the results too. Okay. And so it's really good because, uh, you know, we have these uh, positive game farms and positive wild animals on the landscape, and we just need to know more. And we need the hunters to help us out because they're the ones on the landscape. They're the ones available. They're the ones that, uh, you know, we have this orange army that can provide us information. So Absolutely. if you're near one of these facilities or uh, a wild deer population, get your deer tested, um, and it's free. You just have to give it to us or a kiosk, and it helps the department out learn more about CWD and maybe the transmission and its spread. So it's very helpful. That's so one of the things that hunters can do to help the, the DNR. I, and I think, I think it's, you know, all of us who have a passion for the outdoors and want to be a part of it, here's the, the perfect opportunity um, to really make a difference and help in gathering some of that data um, to help things move forward. It, do your part to keep the ability for us to have a deer season moving forward. I mean, whether, you know, whether you care or not, I just, again, I, can, I can't stress enough how important it is because for when this first came to fruition, it was a big deal, and mm -hmm. it just, there was a lot of testing going on. Then it went away for a few years. It right. just kind of fell off the map, but now it's back, and I think it's so important uh, that if you can get your deer tested, do it. And, it, and it really shouldn't be that you can't because those kiosks are everywhere, right. and, like, like I did today or, you know, I mean, it's, there's somebody close enough, a wildlife biologist to you that you can get that right. done. And the process is just so much faster. You know, before we had to cut heads off and ship them, and now we can just take lymph node samples, the turnaround time's a lot faster. The process of doing the testing is just faster and more efficient. So, you know, over the time, we've been able to make the process so much easier um, and get results faster. And so it's a... It's helped us. Sure. You I know. don't think it took Rachel, you know, 10 minutes nope. to, to get that out mm -hmm. and get that done and bagged yeah. up and we were set. It's just sure. a little information that yep. you gave as well. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, it was a great experience, and I, I appreciated that yeah. a lot. Yeah, and that's the idea is to make it least inconvenient as we can so it gets you on your way, you have things to do. So while you provide us this quick sample, 10 minutes out of your time, and uh, – we both get our information and you help us out. Yep, absolutely. And again, how, how can people find out where all these uh, locations are? If you go onto the DNR website and you just type in CWD testing, mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you can click on links and they'll pull up kiosks uh, where the where they are located throughout the state. And there's there's quite a mm -hmm. few. I mean, I was I was surprised at how many there actually yep. were. And you hope with all the exposure that's that's happened through the media that people will want to participate in that again and, and get the ball rolling so that 
you know, the the issue can be, uh, you know, taken care of. Well, that, and, and it also, you know, I know there, there's people that just, they stop deer hunting now just because of this, you mm-hmm. know, and, and and it's something that you should respect and and, and, mm-hmm. and take note of, but not necessarily fear it. I mean, get your deer tested, and if it tests great, you know, yep. no problem. But you're only helping the future of the of the sport itself and, and everyone else mm-hmm. involved, so... To me, it's a it's it's a it's a real big thing, and I right. and I want to see it move forward and continue to be in the spotlight until you know we're down to just about nothing again. Right. So. Yeah, it's a uh, and <clears throat> well, from what I uh, understand too, that there was a uh, a wild deer tested positive in right on the Michigan border mm-hmm. as well. So I'm sure that is probably create a little bit more awareness of that that it is out there in the in the natural population not just totally focused around the deer farms but uh you know and it's time to get back on the bandwagon start paying attention to get involved you bet and another just another tip by uh john hayne from hate meat hayne meatpacking you know he's <laughs> a great place and, and awesome. a great guy and he just you know he said just make sure a lot of guys they still cut their own meat up mm-hmm. and if if you're gonna and then bring it in after they basically get it to that point and he said you know just if you're going to get it tested and you're going to cut your own meat up wait for the results before you bring it in because now you're stuck with a bill and if he said we've never had a positive test but if you ever would you know now you got that so he just said that's really uh one of the number one things right there just just wait that week and a half two weeks and you know it could vary how long it takes but Mm-hmm. Probably not more than two weeks, I would think. Now, usually our turnaround time is about 14 days. So within 14 days, you should know. And yep. it'll probably be shorter. Yep. And uh, the samples that were taken this morning, she said they were going out, like, right away this morning, right to Madison. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's just a, it's a, it's an interesting and a great process. And I think it's as refined it is, as it is now, and the results can be turned around so quickly, maybe that will, again, get more people involved and say, hey, you know what, this can happen a lot quicker rather than having this long, drawn-out process. And you know how that is. People don't want to do stuff that takes real long. People like convenience, yep. and that's really yep. what it is. And and that's the way it was years ago when we registered at the stations yet because you were there and right. you could do it right there. But now when you can just go home and call it in on your phone, there's like that extra step. But yep. it's sure not a big deal, I'll tell you that. And it's peace of mind, and it's, you know, I want to know if there's any more in my area Correct. and what's going on. So. I sure miss that registration station gig. Boy. For after I so do. many years of doing that, it was really hard. I mean, I, I couldn't tell you how many times I drove by the station. Uh, no, guess what? They don't do that anymore. I know. I know. know. And it's funny because I came across, I was cleaning out the garage the other day, and I came across all of the old silver bands of all oh, the yeah. gear. Remember those yeah. that they'd put on and yep. had a little ball on it and clip it on? It's yep. kind of like, wow, that's kind of a cool. I didn't, even, <laughs> I didn't even realize I saved all those. Sure, sure. Us crazy outdoor guys, we save some of the weirdest stuff. I know. And we throw out the good. We throw out all the good stuff. Yeah. But yeah well. So, uh, Brian, have you have you noticed any more? Uh, I mean, there's more cougar sightings every year, but have you seen any more uh, than normal? Or No, I haven't seen, heard it much since uh, the last one that was in the Milwaukee area. Uh, it's been pretty quiet in my neighborhood or um, kind of in the northeast area. Yeah. Uh, we always get calls. um that they could be a cougar, but there's no information. You know, it's like three o'clock at night running across the headlights, and it's like <laughs> it could be, but we don't know. 
and we don't want to send that information out, you know, without really solid proof. And yeah. so we always wait for those trail camera photos. Uh, that seems to be the best way, or other photos, to really prove it so we don't put false information out there. Sure, sure. They're, they're definitely around, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But they're, you know, pretty few and far between. Few and far between. And they, we know they come through. We've yeah, got evidence. Uh, we just don't know when they're doing that. Yeah, yeah. And they're uh, nomads. I mean, they're they're constantly on the move, and I guess uh, don't know that I'd ever want to run into one. But no, uh, no, not necessarily. Well, all the ones that have come through Wisconsin have not caused any problems, including the right. ones through the Milwaukee area we had last. Um, you know, those were by people and cities, and they had never caused any problems to humans. Uh, Just a so peaceful animal. Very, you know, docile type animal, very shy, um, and so. You know, for all the ones that we've seen, they've been pretty good. You know, Excellent. and so it doesn't seem like people really have to be uh, really scared to death of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, they are kind of a scary creature anyway. They are. I mean, uh, they can kind be. of like yeah. a killing machine, stealthy <laughs> killing machine. But, right, uh, right. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of our live edition of Ask a Game Board and coming to you live here from Fleet Farm in Appleton. Keep it here on The Score. Welcome back to the Living the Outdoor Show. I'm your host, Mark Druitt, Randy Brocktop joining me. We're coming to you live from Fleet Farm in Appleton, celebrating uh, deer season 2018 with their uh, Orange Friday event coming up. Yeah. Uh, and, there's uh, a lot of orange in here. It doesn't take you, take you long to figure out where the hunting department is in this store, does it? And that's where we're located, back in here. And I'll tell you, if you're in the area, stop by. We've, you've got a great opportunity. We have two wardens in-house. We've got a biologist. That's a lot of information right in front of you there. So yeah, I mean it's you you get your questions answered. You know, come yeah. up to us, and if you got something, you want to know something, you're curious about something, you don't understand something, um, we're here to, to to focus in on that, and that's why we do the Ask a Game Board show once a month. You bet. Just to keep everybody up on changes and and uh, be that voice out there and making sure people are number one hunting safely, but also abiding by the rules and the regulations. You bet. Well, so. Which we'll be getting into in depth shortly yeah, yeah absolutely but, but uh yeah we're here brian woodbury's here and we're kind of talking about some of the uh the uh, deer aspects and yeah the animal and, itself and in in the cwd we covered you know fairly good now and, and, and it's a huge help to everybody we, we've established that but but brian what other things can people do right now to, to kind of to help the dnr to help the, the whole state of the deer hunting sure. industry? i mean you know there's lots of opportunities that the hunters or the public can help the DNR simple things uh you know like the hunter wildlife uh, observations so when you're in your tree stand hunting and you see certain wildlife you can just keep a tally of the number of deer or foxes or coyotes you see and there's a simple form online you can fill out that's all valuable information uh that DNR uses it 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 it'd be honest about it you know I mean I know there's some people that would be you know they would feel like I'm not gonna say exactly what I saw I don't know what they yeah. would think that's going to affect but uh to me, you know, just be honest, put yep. on what you see. And yeah, and for another example is the Operation Deer Watch, which is our summer observation period for where we try to get the number of does and fawns. So from August through September, if you're driving around on the roads and you see a deer, you mark down the county. And if it's a, a buck, you mark it a buck or a doe and how many fawns they have. And so that helps us gather information on reproduction status how many fawns are produced per dose and that's vital information in our population estimation 
formulas about the herd growth and how many fawns are being produced on the landscape. So hunters can do that. It's a form on the DNR webpage you can do every August, September. Uh, you're driving around, it's just another tally sheet, you know, just a tally for a doe of the fawn and the county and you're done. Sure. Uh, and so that's valuable information uh, that you can do. There's things like uh, Snapshot Wisconsin is now a statewide program. So if you have land or you want to maintain a trail camera, you can put that out on your land and uh, submit photos to the DNR. And they use that from everything from uh, summer deer observations, bucks, the does, the fawns, to uh, brood counts for turkeys, uh, you name it. Uh, they're using those trail photos to help uh, look at wildlife management issues and population estimation and all sorts of things they can use with that. And that's Snapshot Wisconsin. I'll have to look that. Explain that to me again. So y your own trail camera? Uh, they have trail cameras for you. They have all the equipment you need. You just need to maintain that trail camera for uh, a year. Uh, you get the pictures every three months at the most. I like to do it every month yep. just to see what's there. You download it into a state database oh. and um, you That's pretty cool. ID it and it goes uh, all the cameras throughout Wisconsin go into there and they use that information for like summer deer observations and, and all sorts of stuff and it's very simple. I did not know yeah. that. So it's that, now that's pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's just brand new. It used to be in certain counties and now it's going to be a statewide program. So anybody can do that and participate in that. You just sign up at Snapshot Wisconsin, uh, part of the DNR. You know, it's like that. It was when I, when I had lots of cameras out, it wasn't necessarily the the deer or the size of the deer but all the other stuff oh yeah yeah fishers badgers uh mink you know all those different kind of creatures that you may or may not see while you're sitting in the stand you may bobcats. never see them bobcats yeah. I, i've got bobcats are they seem to be doing yeah. well yeah and that's one of those hard species to uh, survey because they're elusive and they're solitary so they're looking at trail cameras as a kind of abundance factor for bobcats sure. because just we don't know a lot about them and okay. we just can't track them very well. Yeah. So these snapshot programs kind of helping answer some of those type of questions. Yeah, that that uh, that area that Iola, Scandinavia, Wapaka, um, I was getting them pretty uh, pretty regularly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, about the last uh, five years or so, they were show up. Yep. And on a lot of different cameras, but sure. uh, um, yeah, like you said, you know, they're solitary, very secretive yep. uh, types of creatures. So. They make the craziest sounds. Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't explain it nor mimic it, but I don't know what it is. It's, yeah. it's like something out of a horror show at mm -hmm. night, you know. <laughs> they yeah. are. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know what it was. I was told it was a bobcat, but I'm like. It could be, yeah. <laughs> it could be. <laughs> it could be a lot of things. Yeah. I mean, you sit in the woods, there's animals make a lot of oh, weird yeah. noises. Yeah, and it really is interesting when you're walking in the dark and you start to hear some of that stuff, it gets kind of creepy. And the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And <laughs> you start walking a little faster. <laughs> you start thinking about that show you watched the other night that you probably shouldn't have watched. Yeah, that horror movie. It's yeah. like, okay, <laughs> so. the truck never looked at that far away. <laughs> but, no, that's, that's really... There's just a lot of things that people can do just to get involved, and it doesn't take a lot. And, and we have to work together. We have yeah. to do it, all of us, you know. I mean, it's 
It can't be an us and them anymore. It just can't. Right. And we need your help, you know, because there's not like a lot of DNR staff. So another opportunity, if you really want to do hands-on work, is we have a deer, a CWD and predator research project in southwest Wisconsin, just the west of Madison. They take volunteers all the time. They had over 300 volunteers, and they uh, would look for fawns uh, dropped in the springtime. So you oh, can go down there, volunteer, and help look for fawns to put radio collars on fawns. They trap deer in the wintertime to put collars on them. So those take a lot of volunteers. DNR doesn't have the staff to do that. Sure. So they rely heavily on volunteers, and anybody can do that. You just yes. need to go to the DNR webpage, look up the CWD research, sign up, and get real-life hands-on experience and help the DNR. So there are some things that the everyday person can do to help wildlife management. Up. Now, Brian, i got a question for you, totally unrelated deer to deer hunting, but... You know, obviously with the, the rough grouse, mm -hmm. and, and there's been some issues with that. Are you familiar with uh, why they're trying to, you know, shorten that season and, and kind of what's going on with the with the rough grouse here in Wisconsin? Sure. So uh, rough grouse, um, we should be near its peak. So rough grouse are cyclical. Mm -hmm. So we should be near its peak populations. And last year we had re a reduced harvest of, um, of grouse. Uh, from our hunter surveys, reduced drumming counts. Uh, there's uh, organizations out there that kept track of their flushes per hour. And we saw a decline when we should have been near the peak. And at the same time, um, some states had tested uh, West Nile virus and grouse. And so um, it's kind of this new emerging thing. Um, so we're doing the same thing. Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin are testing grouse for West Nile virus. Um, to kind of look at if that has an effect on why we should are not reaching our peak. I uh, yeah I I was uh, I spent a lot of time in the grouse mm -hmm. woods uh, this last fall and and it was there there's a lot of birds mm -hmm. at least the area that I was in but if you know the right kind of cover to hunt right. in you kind of know where the where the birds are but um, yeah I mean this is the amount of birds I had 20 flushes mm -hmm. and and for me that's a lot with okay. one guy walking and no dog right so. Um, it just seemed to me that, that it's got to be at or near that mm -hmm. peak because if you're at the bottom of that peak, you can walk all day and maybe just right. get one. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, the habitat's different. So there's other people we've talked to that, you know, the numbers per flushes are a lot lower. Mm -hmm. uh, my experiences is about normal where I've been hunting um, for grouse. So uh, I think it depends on the habitat. So that's kind of what we're trying to figure out when sure. we have these kits out there to look for West Nile virus. Is that really a factor or not? And with this collaboration with Michigan, Minnesota, maybe we'll get some more answers. That's more information. And we rely on hunters to help us, you know. Yeah. So yeah, the hunters absolutely. are harvesting grouse. Uh, we have uh, 500 kits available for them return uh, for blood samples. So we need these hunters to help us. And so I'll again, be on that next year. Yeah, and it, it and again I like it because it's a proactive approach yep. right now. I mean, before it gets to dire straits or something. Well, and then everybody wants to have this knee-jerk reaction of, oh, we need to do all this stuff now. At least if you participate when something's initiated and and help it through the process, you know, I think in the long term is right. is realistically the best way to go about. Sure, it. sure. So Brian, where will you be this Saturday? So I'm I'll be okay. hunting this Saturday up north, but I will be working. Oh. Uh, I'll be working on Sunday, Monday. So as part of our um, sex age kill formula, we need to age deer. Yeah. So I'll be aging deer at uh, Cedar Creek Meats. Sure. And we have, we'll have somebody at Haynes Meats. And so we age deer that are brought in, or if you just want to bring your deer in to be aged. Uh, it's very important that we get these age structure of our herd. 
of the harvest herd that is very important in our population modeling. And so we will age around 20,000 deer the, this week, this wow. year, which is about average. We do about 25 roughly, the one we wow. had in-person registration. So it's very important for this population modeling. So we'll be, I'll be working all day Sunday and Monday. Yeah, but you get the opening day. That's kind of cool. I do. For the first I, time in the best anyway. It surprised me when you said you'd be hunting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really caught me off guard here. I, yeah, I, so that's been the one bonus for me with the uh, not in-purse registration because I can actually hunt. Nice. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So wow. Personally, that's been great. That's awesome. Well, perfect. Great. Perfect. All right. Well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we're coming to you live from Fleet Farm in Appleton. Keep it here on The Score. Welcome back to the Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. Glad to have you with us tonight. Uh, we are broadcasting live from Fleet Farm in Appleton to celebrate the 2018 gun deer season coming up here in just a few days. And uh, the uh, Orange Friday coming right up here in a couple of days as well. Big celebration going on. Lots of stuff happening here at Fleet Farm, and we'll talk about that more as we get through the broadcast. But uh, it is our two-hour special of a monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. And uh, we've got two wardens with us. Tonight, Kara Kamke and Amanda Kretschmer are joining us here. So I think it's time, Randy, that we uh, get the ladies involved here and uh, get them to talk about some of the rules and regulations of uh, whitetail deer hunting here in Wisconsin. I, I agree. I, I've got pages of stuff here. I just I don't know where. You are just a note guy. <laughs> yeah. You are, you are the most prepared person well, I know. You always got all your stuff. And that's why I texted you today and said, hey, you got any fun facts? Because you always got the greatest little, you know, True the or false, or yeah, you know, all yeah. that kind of fun the stuff. Kara's so. been around the fun facts before. Yeah, yeah, last month. Yeah, I heard you guys had a lot of fun, and uh, we've. Just we, what did you play? Well, what all the facts the of facts life. Facts of life. Oh yeah, it was entertaining. It, yeah, <laughs> Randy's entertaining. We we sure. find out that they're octopuses, not <laughs> octopi. <laughs> okay. Right. I don't know if you knew that, but you probably Brian. You, I guarantee you knew that. So. That's a marine animal, so. <laughs> <laughs> so where to begin here? Um, I guess let's just start with new rules, laws. Uh, why don't we defer to Amanda? Yeah. Uh, so this year, you know, to be honest, there's not too many changes, um, which is kind of a breath of fresh air. It hasn't yeah, happened for a exactly. while. There, we've yeah. had a lot thrown at us over the past two to three years. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, I think it's going to be a breath of fresh air for the public and for for wardens. You know. Um, it's been hard to kind of keep up the last couple of years. So um, nothing really new has changed this year. I, I don't think, I mean, I think you could probably agree, Kara. Um, yeah. I think a lot of people really were, you know, there was the the transportation issue. And that, that came that up lasted and then that, yeah, for that, about 12 hours. Yeah, and that then, was rescinded yeah, quickly. Yep, and, yeah. and everybody was like, ah, you know, so what, the CWD, what exactly is going the on? CWD is the same as last year. Um a couple of the things that I kind of wrote down um, that I've been bringing up at sportsman's clubs meetings, mm -hmm. um, just remember there's no carcass tags anymore. You know, you're not required to tag your deer. We had the leave it and tag it. I can't remember what that tagline was, but no carcass tags anymore. Um, and now we have what are called harvest authorizations, which is basically your old carcass tag. Um, 
or what was called the carcass tag is now called the harvest authorization and that tells you uh you know what tags you do have um so antlerless what county uh, public private so we've got those um you're not required to carry those in the field with you uh, but i do encourage hunters to especially guys or gals that are hunting multiple counties you've got to keep track of where you're harvesting deer so let's say you're hunting winnebago washera and wapaka um, and you've got two tags in each county and you're harvesting multiple deer in each county, you've got to make sure that you're fulfilling tags that you actually have. Um, so I sure. encourage guys to bring those out in the field with you or have a picture on your phone, some way to keep track of what you're actually harvesting. You do have to register it by 5 p.m. the day after recovery. Um, so it is important as well. You've got to have the, I forget what the, how the many digits. Yeah, the specific tag number. I forget how many digits this is. But when you register your deer, you're going to have to have your harvest authorization number as well. So if you're in the field and you do not have your tags with you, is a driver's license sufficient? Yeah, yep. So the, there's four ways um, to show proof of a license and approvals. That's going to be a valid Wisconsin driver's license. And I say Wisconsin because if you're from Illinois, Michigan, Minnesota, we can't scan those driver's licenses. The phone application we have can only scan valid Wisconsin driver's licenses. Um, you can also get the Go Wild, the conservation card. I don't know if anyone here has that, but it, I do. It's a, it's I a, do. It's a pretty handy um, it's a new tool thing. that we have. I mean, it costs three dollars and fifty cents. It's got your name, your DNR customer ID on it, and there's a little barcode again that we can scan. And the great thing about those cards is they're good until you lose them or you break them, essentially. Right. Um, and I'd rather lose my go wild card in the woods than my driver's license. Correct. Because I don't want to go to the DMV. Yeah. <laughs> Does anybody want yeah. to go there? I mean, you could do so many things now, you, but you still have to, like, physically go there, yeah. don't you? Right. You know, yeah. And everybody there is so cheerful. <laughs> so, so then you can also uh, download a PDF copy of your licenses and approvals onto your phone. Or you can use um, a paper copy. Okay. And we're going to get much, much more into this when we come back in the next hour. I've, we've got lots more to talk about in, in different rules, regulations, and what's right, what's not. We'll get into all of that next hour. Sounds good. So it I, sounds like we're ready to take another break. I hear ACDC in the background. <laughs> I, so. I thought that music was some kind of an indicator. I wasn't sure, but Alex maybe he's just throwing a little... Uh, little party music in Alex is always bringing it, always. <laughs> All right, Alex, you're doing a great job back there, man. Thanks very much. All right, well, listen, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more coming to you live from Fleet Farm here on Living the Outdoors on the Score. and 99.1 The Score. WSCO Appleton. Wake up weekday morning 6 to 8 with BJ and the Bear. Let's have some fun. All right, welcome back. The Living the Outdoor Show here on The Score. Coming to you live from Fleet Farm in Appleton. Going to be here for about another 50 minutes or so. So if you're out and about, stop by and talk to us. Uh, we are here to celebrate the 2018 deer hunting season. 
uh, here in Wisconsin, and uh, it is also our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden, and we've got uh, two of the uh, Game Wardens here with us. Uh, you bet. Basically talk about rules, regulations, and all that kind of stuff, and not a lot of changes, but I think it's kind of, again, get people reacquainted with a lot of the things that are going on out there um, and, uh, you know, kind of share some information and get people back on track. So first and foremost, they have a safe hunt, but they also are doing it by the book as well. So right, right. And we, and we talked a little bit before the break about registration and, and, and how to do it and when to do it. Yep. Um, let's go back to a little bit about transportation again. Are there any rules on transportation right now that, I mean, no, no part. You can put the deer. Could you put them in your trunk and close the trunk? I mean, if it's not registered. Yeah. So the transportation rules, like we mentioned earlier, were going to change. They had changed for a few hours and then reverted back to tw 2017 rules. So hunters shouldn't really notice anything different from what was last year. Um, we've long gone away with the tailgate down, you know, head displayed sort of rules, but. We, the only real rule that I guess is considered new this year is a possession law. This, I think, has always kind of been the case, but it kind of went away last year with some of our administrative rule changes. And that is basically while hunters are out in the field, um, wooded area, out hunting, um, even if it's, you know, you got your truck in the back two lanes, if you're not on a paved road, you know, we're at cabin, if you're in the field, you cannot have possession of a deer that the hunter who shot it is not there with it. So if you, if we contact you and you tell me, yeah, this is Bob's deer, Bob better be there if you're out in the field. So um, while in the field, the hunter who shot the deer has to stay with the deer, even if it's registered. So you can only kind of gift or transfer the possession of that deer to another hunter once you get out to the main roadway or back at deer camp or wherever the case is. So that's just to eliminate um, some, you know, well, this is my wife's deer. And yeah, yeah. Oh, sure, she was hunting with me this morning, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's to eliminate people's maybe uh, willingness to do that, you know, skirt around the rules a little bit with that. Sure. So, sure. so let me get this straight then. If your deer is not registered Registration doesn't matter. It, can, can a friend take it home for you? No. So you have to, if, a friend, if you're going to transfer the um, possession of that animal, um, you have to basically um, be able to provide. If I were to then ask you, like back at deer camp, you've got five deer hanging. If we come into camp and ask, well, who are these deer? You need to be able to provide to us name and customer ID number or confirmation number, registration confirmation number of those deer. So, um, correct, the the deer has to be registered before you totally gift it to somebody else and leave it. So you can't leave deer camp, can you? It, can you leave deer camp without registering your deer? Let's just say you go into town. Well, you can, yeah. The deer's got to be registered by 5 p.m. the next day. Okay. Yeah, so if that's your camp, that's your camp. Okay. Um, but if now back home and in the freezer the, the, yeah. obviously you got the 5 p.m the next day okay. sort of registration this is this is more specifically in the field right right, right after you've harvested that yep. deer you know most you shoot the deer typically you're gonna gut it typically 
you're going to gut it right there. You're going to bring it back to camp or home, wherever you're taking the deer. This is more specifically in the field, as Kara stated, to try and avoid these, uh, you know, kind of like loan and borrow situations. Correct. You know, loaning tags, that type of situation. So yep. back at deer camp, though, yeah, you're fine. You, you're yeah. fine to gift the deer to somebody else or, you know, somebody else can take it in a truck, you okay. know for you but if they were to be stopped by a warden um and asked for confirmation of you know who shot this deer they need to be able to provide that information i got it okay last year we ran into a few situations where we'd say oh so who shot these deer and i don't know i'm just here at camp i have no idea whose deer these are you know and that really provided a headache for us without that no longer having carcass tags that are required to attach to deer, trying to determine if these deer were legally harvested. So that's why we kind of implemented these rules. And I think most normal or ethical hunters were following these, and we didn't really have a problem with that. Um, but it's just some kind of clarification things that got included this year to make our job a little easier. Sure. Yeah, not like the... Uh they need a little bit of extra help. There's a lot of a lot of things for them to keep track of as it as it is. I, You're right. I right. don't envy you guys that task. I mean, all that stuff. That's a lot of stuff that you have to be aware of. Yeah, definitely. And like Amanda said, there's not a whole lot of changes this year. The majority of changes actually came in regards to what the CDACs or County Deer Advisory Councils had changed and opened, um, changed a few boundaries. Uh, we also added some uh, extended archery hunting seasons so people can look in the deer regulation booklet and kind of look to see which dmus or deer management units have been modified or which ones have extended deer seasons which ones that have the holiday hunts those were really the biggest changes this year that most hunters can expect as far as general hunting regulations most are the same and i was just gonna say you know i can't stress enough and i think i did this when i came out on the show a couple months ago um, we understand that there's a lot of rules and regulations you have to follow, and they can be confusing. And given how frequently they've changed the last couple of years, you know, pick up your phone and call your local warden. Call the DNR info number. Um, if, if you don't know, just pick up the phone and call. Someone's going to be able to help you and answer those questions. Yeah, rather than be on the, uh, um, you know, on the uh, Get the yourself in a pickle. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The information. You get a citation issued to you and. Yeah, like our old buddy Mike Young used to say, ignorance is no excuse. You know, no, I mean, you, no. we we have to be aware of, you know, the rules, and and it's readily available. All the information, whether it's online, right here on your phone, or the helpline, like you, so like you had said. Even more so now. I don't. I assume. I don't think anyone's brought it up yet, or if you guys are even aware, we have now what's called a Hunt Wild DNR app. Um, it's basically the it's a newer version of the Pocket Ranger. So we eliminated. The Pocket Ranger, if you've got that on your phone, delete it. Right. Um, it's no longer in service. We now have what we're calling Hunt Wild, um, and it's an amazing application, I think. Um, we've had it open to the public for about a month now. I have it on my phone. I think every warden in the state probably has it on their phone sure. to use it, but it's great. It, it gives you all the regulations. You can pick you know, what species you want to hunt. If you turn your GPS on, it pings you to your exact location. You pick your species. Let's say you want to hunt for deer. Uh, I think this morning, depending on if you're in zone B where we are, it was like 6.17 was the opening shooting hours. And then it tells you, you know, when the hours close that day. Um, it's a great app. You can, it's got all the regulations in there. 
just as of what a week ago, I think now you can actually purchase licenses right mm-hmm. through the app as well. You bet. Um, and it's a free application. It, it right? It doesn't. It is, it is doesn't a free co- app. Yeah, it doesn't cost anything. Yeah. Just go to the DNR website, type in Hunt Wild, and you download that for free on your phone. So I I put that on my phone right after it came out, and I've used it constantly. There's so much on there, and there's I think it's really well done, easy to use, mm-hmm. and and, and really, all your information is right there. That's where I get one hour, you know, shooting hours open and close every day. Mm-hmm. Now, as I open my phone up and yep. I just yep. see, you know, rather than having to sort through this, you know, paper book, I just open my phone. It's great. Right, so. that's Do perfect. Right from your tree. Everybody has it. <laughs> everybody, I see that. Everybody has a phone, and and the access to doing that is uh, um, is so much nicer than. I'm still old school though. I have a paper copy of everything. Yeah. Yep. My my duck bag's got a copy of the waterfall regulations and my stamp in there, and I always take a paper copy. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't hurt either. You never know if you're going to get it out of cell service or anything like that. But just one of those things, Randy. Yeah. It's just a comfort thing. It you is. Know? It makes me feel secure. <laughs> it's like a warm blanket. Oh boy. I I will say, now that you brought up the paper rights, um, when you're looking for the most up to date regulations go online um these were printed in july or august um and these are pretty accurate i would say um with the rules yeah um but with the most up-to-date rules and regulations uh go go online and check out the rules and regs that way so that is where everything is going to be up to date and a a couple of things that may have changed or one thing this year that may have changed is is counties where baiting is now illegal and that's something that people need to check easy enough to check online but um again could you just touch base on the on the if you are still in a county that you can bait in two gallons yep two gallons it's been two gallons for a long time now um if you're in a county you can bait which includes winnebago outagamey calumet the counties around here Probably the closest no bait is Wapaka County. Um, so if you're in a county that you can bait, you're allowed two gallons per person per 40 acres. And all that feed has to be placed directly on the ground. You can't use gravity feeders, mechanical feeders, or anything like that. Salt licks or mineral powders, any sort of attractant for deer is included in that bait. So even in the no bait counties, you can't set out mineral blocks. Um, and those mineral blocks, um, although handy, uh, can add up pretty quickly. So, um, you know, the, a nice size mineral block is probably your two gallon limit, and that's about it. And you really can't put out any additional corn or apples with it. So, just be cognizant of that when you are out there placing your bait. And uh, let, the other thing people tend to maybe get themselves in trouble with is they will put out some apples and the apples will go bad. And instead of picking up those apples, they'll just add two more gallons of fresh apples. Even those bad apples that the deer aren't targeting anymore count towards your bait limit so if the bait's not fresh and you want to freshen it up you got to clean up the old stuff right and just because your county was legal to bait in last year does not mean that it is this year so you really need to check that yeah we had a few that got added to the band baiting um mostly in the northern part north eastern wisconsin um and yeah just go online type in deer baiting and a map will pull right up you can check to see if your county or the place you're going to hunt is allowed allowing bait or not there you go it's, it's two gallons is i mean the simple remedy to that is just find yourself a two gallon pail like two, an ice cream bucket i know there's plenty of them out there that will measure two gallons right to the yeah two you know, gallon right bucket or 
bag. Like the bag. You carry like that bag, bag around, do. don't yeah, you? Yeah, most you probably carry do. a two-gallon Ziploc bag, you know, right in their pocket. It's nice and easy to put in your pocket and measure things with them. Um, you do got to be careful. Uh, I know some people use five-gallon buckets and think they can guesstimate what two gallons is. You're just asking to get yourself in that sort of trouble. Um, same with ice cream pails. A lot of ice cream pails tend to be like 1.25 gallons, you know, so two ice cream pails. And <laughs> Granted, we, we normally don't cut cut it so close like you know picking one kernel over oh you're over no we we're not doing stuff like that but in general um when we see people go over it's by quite a, a few gallons at minimum and i'm thinking after you look at those for so many times you kind of know oh it's real easy to yeah. eyeball after a while <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like okay yeah, i know that that's all right that's two gallons that's way way yeah. over yeah is that still a, such a common one of the more common citations that you guys write are people actually starting to get the picture on that because they know it's not a cheap citation. I think you have bigger issues in these no-bait counties. Yep. Um, sure. You know, Yeah. I guess this will be my first deer season here in the Fox Valley area, uh, but I came from Sauk County, and that was a no-bait county. Um, and, you know, you just get these guys that, you know, I get it. They just want to do you know, the gun deer season is only nine days, and they mm-hmm. want to do everything possible to get those deer, you know. Yep. Um, so I think that we probably, I'd say, issue more citations for baiting simply in no-bait counties. Um, right. You know, and I I tell guys, food plots are still legal. Um, you know, get out there and build yourself a, a nice food plot if you've got some private properties. So I, I was always a big believer in that, and... and uh, Never was really big on baiting and went with the food plot thing, and it really didn't seem to interrupt their travel patterns or turn them nocturnal. But, um, well, looks like we've got to take ourselves another break here, Randy. Yeah. All man. right. Well, listen, we're coming to you live from Fleet Farm here. If you're out in the boat, uh, we're going to be uh, out here for about another 40 minutes or so. So um, stop by, say hello. Otherwise, keep us tuned into Living the Outdoors here on The Score. All right, welcome back to the Living the Outdoor Show. Coming to you live from Fleet Farm in Appleton. We're here celebrating the uh, 2018 gun deer season and also our monthly edition of Ask a Game Warden. And uh, we've got a couple of game wardens here joining us. Amanda Kretschmer and Kara Kamke are here. Um, and uh, Randy and I are asking all kinds of questions and making sure everybody's got a better understanding of what's going on out there. And, you know, like we were talking about off uh, during the break that, you know, Get yourself familiar. At, at the very least, um, you know, me being a person that deals with uh, people buying licenses, I tell them at the very least, at least open it up and look at what's new um, and re-familiarize yourself because, like, ah, oh, no, I, I know that. Stuff never changes. Well, unfortunately, stuff does. Right, it does. And, and I think you need to be aware of that, especially, you know, with a, with a season as big when you got over 600 and some thousand people trucking around in the woods i think it's best to know number one where you're going what your boundaries are and 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 then know what the rules and the regulations are absolutely i couldn't agree more nobody wants to get an additional citation you know i mean uh, not like the wardens are running around giving out people tickets for no apparent reason right no you know again be aware of the rules and regulations uh, and you know i think now we we'll just go over some of the we cover these things every year, but I think it's important to touch base on them again. And let's talk a little bit about clothing requirements. What, uh, 
Yeah, so 50% blaze orange or bright pink above the waist, including a hat. The only exception is for waterfall hunters. So anybody out during any open gun deer season, anybody out hunting, I'm sorry, um, anything besides waterfall, I would include your rabbit hunters, your pheasant hunters. If you are out hunting anything besides waterfall during an open gun deer season, including our nine day, our antlerless only hunts, um, youth gun deer hunt, which is passed already, you need to be wearing blaze orange or bright pink, 50% above the waist, including a hat. And obviously we always encourage 100% blaze orange. I always tell my kids in hunter safety class this, you could be wearing rainbow colors, the deer wouldn't care. They can't see color. You know, they see movement and have a better sense of smell, but they don't care what color clothing you're wearing. You wear bright colors like orange and pink to make other hunters make you visible to other hunters. So the more visible you can be, the better, because you would hate to have an unfortunate accident happen because somebody didn't see that orange or you were, <clears throat> you didn't have an orange hat on and only an orange vest and you were to the side or they only saw your arm or something like that, you know, and shot in your direction. So... We always recommend 100% orange, but the minimum is 50%. 50%. And take a look at your orange, too. If it's starting to be a few years old and starting to look more burnt orange or Fleet Farm orange than it does blaze orange, then it's time to be replaced. I've been talked to about that way back in the day, and that it's a real thing. Yeah, it doesn't <laughs> do you much to look more like a deer and less like a deer. So, right. yeah, blaze orange and bright pink. We want to stand out. Sure, sure. And as far as... Uh, gun safety uh, and rules for that if you're going to cross a road you need to empty your gun yep so i if basically the law says that if you are hunting um you need your you have to be more than 50 feet away from a center line um to hunt okay so um what we as wardens typically consider somebody hunting um, is they've got a loaded gun, they've got licenses, they're wearing the appropriate clothing in an area where deer are. You know, they're doing all those things, actively hunting for deer. So, um, yeah, our, our general rule is unload your gun on the roadways. Keep it unloaded until you get 50 feet off from the center line. You know, once you get back in the ditch, you can load it back up. Um, and it's also a safety thing, right? So you, you don't want to have an accident on the road um, or accidentally discharge on a pavement. That's That ricochet is not going to... You know, you ne just never know. Correct. So. Yeah, that's it's just one of those things. It's it, it seems so easy to just dart across that road, but it's it's just breaking the law. So unload it and load it. And what's classified as a road? Is it an actual signed road, even though it might be a gravel road? Right. So the type of road, uh, pavement, gravel, sand, dirt, doesn't really play into it at all. Um, as far as hunting deer from a roadway or having mm -hmm. a rifle on the roadway. Sure. Um, but when we say roadway, we're not talking about the two-rut trail you got going through your back 40. We're talking about a public roadway, even some private roadways that are, you know, maintained for vehicle traffic. So if uh, cars and trucks drive on it, you can find it on a map. We generally consider that a roadway. It doesn't even necessarily have to have a road sign. There are some roads that just right. exist that don't have road signs so exactly it's hard to kind of draw that but in general if it's maintained for vehicle traffic um and you can find it on a map it's a roadway they define it right in the definitions of the deer regs too so that's great because right in the front of there's a there's a definition of yep. all yeah of the things in there that that specifies exactly what that means so that's uh right right it's what it, it's, it's important stuff and so let's talk a little bit about weapons um 
can you can you have multiple weapons with you in your stand? Can you have a bowl, a shotgun, a rifle? Yeah, we don't have any. Uh, during the nine days specifically, we're talking. Obviously, now if yes. you're out bow hunting, you can't. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you right, obviously right. can't harvest. Yep. Yeah, deer. We're, we're strictly during this. this <laughs> during deer the nine season, day gun, gun deer. Um, yeah. So. Um, you can, so let's say you've got, a, you know, a gun deer license. You can fulfill your gun deer license or your gun deer tags with a lesser weapon. Um, so now it's not vice versa. So right. if you haven't fulfilled, um, you know, your bow buck tag, you cannot fulfill your tag with a rifle or a right. shotgun. Whereas yeah. your gun deer license, your Gun deer buck tag, harvest authorization, sorry, um, can be fulfilled with an archery or crossbow. Um, sure. So you can have, you know, an art, you know, you could have two rifles out in the stand with you, you know, if you really wanted. Is okay. it necessary? No. No. Um, but can you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and what about, uh, is turkey season open or closed during the nine deer gun season? It's open. It is open. But you have to have the proper clothing. Yes. And, and the shells? Shells, yep. Every, all the turkey hunting rules apply. Yeah. So if you're in a bait county um, and you're baiting for deer, don't plan to shoot a turkey out of that stand. Um, and you've got to be, you've got to have the proper clothing on, um, which is obviously pretty important when you're um, turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, very so. much so. All right. All well, right. that's kind of cool because, you know, there are guys out there that really don't want to participate with the firearms but still can get out there with their crossbow Mm -hmm. and realistically fill their gun tag and an archery tag with their crossbow which i think is kind of cool yeah it's a you know when they finally change that it is because when they first initiated that i took my muzzle loader and a crossbow figuring hey if i can you know fill both of my tags or it presents itself and if the deer is close enough i can fill both of them because, you know, there are those times you go through the archery season and you don't have the opportunity, but if you are in the gun stand, you may see more than one or two bucks come by. So oh, sure. It kind of gives you a little bit of flexibility and give you more opportunities to, to harvest an animal. I like it. I mean, it's it's a nice, it is a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. I, Very I much think so. about that a lot to, to just maybe take the bull up in the stand with me. And, but Why it's not? A, it's a different game. It's more stuff you, you got to carry. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but, uh yeah, so what about, uh, let's talk about, this is not necessarily, you'd be crazy to use a decoy. Can you use decoys during the gun season? Absolutely. It's one of the things that we recommend for people in those no-bait counties that, you know, you can have scent, you can have decoys out, um, absolutely allowed food plots. So those are one of the three or four things that, yeah, we recommend for people in those no-bait counties who want to do something to attract deer to their location. Okay. And when we had, we, we did the rut show uh, in October this year, we had Andy and we talked a little bit about decoys. Where's the limit as far as, uh, you know, I know they have robo ducks, but can you have any kind of motorized deer decoy? Can it do anything? Can it, can you, can you make it move? Can you put it on a little? We have no regulations. Yeah. You oh. could put that on a little uh, remote control truck and move it around. We've got no regulations on mechanical use of decoys. Now, 
let me tell you this. If you're going to use a decoy like that, make sure you call me so I can sit down the road. So when somebody <laughs> pops it from the road, I can be right there, all right? You're going to yeah. do my job for me. I'll gladly stand wow. by. Yeah. See, I didn't know that. I, I thought there was some kind of limit there that you could, and I think Andy was. I believe it for turkeys, though, you cannot use anything mechanical. Correct. Right. But for, for whitetail deer hunting, there aren't any restrictions. So you realistically you could use some kind of a little remote control to move the tail or move the head or pop it up or well that's what we that talked kind of about thing. to pop it up because yep. you know we talk about sometimes decoys work great sometimes they don't so you keep it laying down and you pop it up you know i, I hey you got sometimes you got to use every tool in the box <laughs> <laughs> might be a little extreme but hey we were talking to andy ogilvy that night so that's oh, extreme. You know, it's always an interesting conversation when we have Andy involved. Right, right. But that was the question that had come up, so I did not know that. Um, you can I, I have never checked a hunter with one. Mm -mm. I, it, it is just even a regular deer decoy. Honestly, I... Uh, I've checked some guys with decoys before. but They're yeah. not as common. You okay. Know, but yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys are afraid to try something different. Mm -hmm. In Wisconsin, I don't know, a lot of things... Rattling can work sometimes, but, you know, um, out of state, hunting in Iowa, all that stuff is extremely effective. But it mm -hmm. seems like these deer in Wisconsin, for whatever reason, are not real responsive to a lot of those types of things. Now, it all depends on that deer's mood, too. Oh, yeah, always. always. Kind of like turkey, you know, decoying turkeys. They're not every time you put a decoy out, a turkey's going to come in. So. Oh, yeah. But you cannot have a motorized turkey. Right. No useful electronics. There you go. So no hooking it up to your remote control truck and running them up and down the dirt road. <laughs> wow. Well, that's just, that's just a whole new meaning to the word dangerous. I could see that. Yeah. 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 But the stuff they have out now is incredible. The, the ducks and the, the, what they can do with them are, it's amazing. They look good. And My decoy is actually more real, look more real than the actual duck itself. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's absolutely crazy. You take them out of the box, you're like, wow. Yeah. It looks like one of those hand-carved things that you pay 200 bucks for. <laughs> no, but, it, and you know, the ducks don't care. We used to hunt out on Lake Michigan with gang rigs with milk bottles painted black and white. <laughs> we didn't have money to buy decoys back then. You just figured it out, so it's not like they're the... That's you know. interesting. We, we like it because they look cool. Have you ever seen just something crazy or wild that somebody tries, somebody does? Just It's legal, but you scratch your head at the end of the day and say, wow, can that really work? Off the top of my head, <laughs> I'm stumped here. You might have to give me time to think about it. I'm sure there are something there. It's just, yeah, it's not all that often. I, I just, I, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of tips and tricks that, that are out there that I'm sure people don't ever divulge that probably work that are just so far out there that, You'd never think of it, but yeah. Again, use, use whatever what works. Don't be afraid to try something different. How do you think we I got to this point in in, it in the outdoor world? Yeah, it evolves. Right. It keeps your shotgun shell keeps catching my eye there. I've never seen a phone <laughs> charger that's a shotgun shell. I I don't know. I like it, and it's appropriately named Reload, so <laughs> it charges your phone when you're too cheap to get a get a new phone and the battery charger keeps losing but it's a shotgun shell well yeah and the, the cool thing about it is when you get it out in cold weather your phone never really lasts long anyway okay. so you keep it hooked up to this thing i keep 100 percent all day long like 12 bucks here at the farm 
<laughs> yeah, Fleet Farm. <laughs> oh, no, Bracketron produces them. Bracketron. Yep. And you can, there's other that sounds like companies Amazon that make to me. These, these types of things, yeah. and they just plug in. Then it plugs into your USB port. Plug it into any USB drive, and it charges it up. And uh, oh, having like a it. couple of these, if you're an outdoor person, is essential because sure. you don't want your phone to die when you're outside. Right, right. Yep. Well, on that note. On that note, thanks for mentioning that. <laughs> <laughs> Are we ready to take another break? Sure. All right, cool. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and take another break. When we come back, we'll have more of our live edition of uh, Ask a Game Warden, coming to you live from Free Farm. So stay tuned in to Living the Outdoors here on The Score. Before they go in the woods, make yes. sure they actually have yeah, goat eggs. All right, welcome back. The Living the Outdoors show here on The Score. I'm your host, Mark Druick. Kind of finishing up here uh, with our live two-hour broadcast here at Fleet Farm in Appleton. And uh, we are grateful that they've invited us back here again this year to do the show. I always look forward to it. And uh, it's amazing that uh, we're only a few days away from the 2018 deer season. You can kind of tell back here in the hunting department, there's a lot of orange around, a lot of Mr. Buddy heaters, a lot of heat packs. Going to be kind of a... Uh, Kind of a chilly opening day, I'm thinking, this this year, Randy. Oh, yeah. I think it's going to be nice. I, they've been much, much worse, and there's been much, much warmer. But I think I like that 30-ish degree type Yeah, that, then it's tolerable for an all-day sit. As long as the wind isn't high or anything like that, I think it's very tolerable. And yeah. and, uh, and that yeah. the equipment that they make nowadays uh, to keep yourself warm, I'm, I'm one of those guys I will sit from open to close. And yeah. Getting out of the tree stand uh, later in the day is always a bit of a challenge because you stiffen up a little bit. But the clothing that they make nowadays is so lightweight and so insulating. Um, it allows you to be able to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, I, the technology has come so far from back in the day. Of the You just put on a pair of rubber boots. and yep. I mean, what I wore my first few years out was just... It was insane. I, yeah. I'd freeze to death right now. Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know any better. I'm getting have thinking else. about the old rubber boots and bags <laughs> on your, over your feet and all that kind of stuff. I mean, but, you know, uh, the older you get, the smarter you get, I guess. And you just, uh, you know, if you want to get out there and hunt and, and you want to, um, you know, bear the elements, it's worth it to make the investment into good clothing. Sure, sure. So we've got more questions for the wardens here yet tonight before we get out of here. Okay. What and, do you got? Uh, you said there. Were, let's talk a little bit about shining, because shining is is still a big deal. A lot of guys do it. There's a lot of do's and don'ts to that as well. Yeah. So this time of year, um, from September 15th through December 31st, every fall uh, between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m., you cannot shine deer. Um, just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can shine up until 10 p.m., uh, but then you can't shine again until 7 a.m. and that's important to remember, especially opening weekend. Sometimes guys are just going out to their stands. You know, they're driving to their hunting spots, and they're just really amped up, and they're excited. And it's 3, 4 in the morning, and they've got their flashlight with them as they're driving, and they're shining, they're shining those fields, and they just forget. You know, you, you think of people shining more often in the evening. You don't think too You know, you don't think of people shining as much in the morning hours. Um, so I just like to, to note, you know, to the guys and gals, you know, don't get tempted to shine those fields when you're walking out. Now, you can use a flashlight, 
to find your way out to your stand in the morning. Um, sure. But you can't be shining fields, um, you know, while you're driving to your stands. Um, and, and then at any time of the year um, when you're shining, you can't be in possession of a firearm bow or crossbow. Okay. And that includes your concealed carry as well. So if you've got your concealed carry license, you can't even have that handgun on your person or in the vehicle with you. That's something I didn't know. Mm -hmm. There you go. Yeah, right. Can That's you have a knife? Yeah, I'm, I'd be okay with someone having a knife. Um, okay. You know, I think that... At the, <laughs> I, I mean, if someone's got some ninja skills and can... <laughs> Throw a knife out the Some vehicle. throwing stars and yeah. things like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but it's more specifically, yeah, your firearms. But, yeah. And then bows, so. crossbows, and then, yeah, the concealed carry. A lot of guys don't think about that, but you can't even have that with you in the vehicle okay. when you're shining for deer. Great, great. Good good thing all, to know. All good stuff. I mean, there's always those things you think of the generalities of it, but you don't think of some of that other little small details. Right, right. You know, that, uh, you know, guys you know, pulling their flashlight out and looking around. I mean, some of those flashlights, I've got one. I could probably shine it from here over to, you know, to the, the next block. Yeah, right. I mean, it's, yeah, they're, they're pretty they're darn bright. But, yeah, you, you could see how you could get carried away. You're driving through, and all of a sudden you see eyes back there, and all of a sudden you're doing this. Yeah. So, yeah. Good to know all of those things. That's why we do this show, to yep. get people informed. So, And so, Kara, uh, you know, after the nine-day gun season, there's, there's quite a few seasons left for deer. And... Yeah, a lot of guys tend to think of the nine-day being the, you know, end-all kind of season. Once nine days over, they're done. But I, there's a lot of hunting to be had after the nine-day. Uh, you always have your traditional muzzleloader, which takes place directly after the nine-day. Um, and in some metro areas that you're still allowed to use a rifle, you know. So um, those metro units have extended in different seasons. So if you're hunting a metro area, definitely take a look at that. But otherwise, we have our muzzleloader season left. And directly after that, we have our statewide uh, antlerless only hunt. Um, so just a reminder to even the bow hunters out there um, that that's antlerless only for all species uh, or all weapon types, you know, archery and um, gun. So that four-day antlerless only hunt is statewide. We get a little bit of a break after early December, and then we are on to um, some holiday hunts. So that's one of the things that we talked about earlier is make sure you pick up a deer regulation booklet or one of these antlerless hunting, deer hunting guides that we created this year and take a look at which zones or deer management units have that holiday hunt. And same thing applies. Um, I know it's not a statewide season, but if you're hunting in a county where there's an antlerless only gun hunt or holiday hunt going on, you cannot shoot a buck with your bow. It's antlerless for archery and gun. Um, so double check that. I know a lot of guys get done with the gun season. They go right back to bow hunting and are focused on the bow hunting again. But you have to double check that. Same thing applies with the wearing orange, yep. not shooting your bucks. Um, so be in tune to that. The other thing is that archery season does go then until the beginning of January. And some counties extended it through the end of end of January to the 31st. So if you're in one of those counties, and Outagamie County is one of them, you have a, an extended opportunity for archery hunting this year. January 31st. Uh, yeah, that's a long ways. That's, that's a long incredible. Time. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> the only other thing that I wanted to mention before we have to get going here is that I know we talked earlier about, you know, kind of preparing for your hunt and picking up the regulation booklet, but I think it's just important to actually look at those tags. Uh, they're not tags anymore, but harvest authorizations that you have um a lot of guys go oh i buy my 
even licenses. I buy my patron's license every spring, or I always buy my deer license in the spring. And maybe they just bought an archery license. So we've already run into that a few times this year where we've had hunters who, oh, I always buy my archery license at this time and completely forgot to and then went out hunting, you know. So it slipped their mind. They forgot to check. So please, please um, look at that PDF. Look at that paper printout. Verify you have an archery or a gun license and that all your harvest authorizations are there. Because reminder, if you bought your patron's license in March, you had to go in in August and elect for those free farmland tags. Mm-hmm. So make sure that you're checking your antlerless tags or your harvest authorizations and that they are good for the county and land type you plan to hunt. So make sure you have them, make yep. sure you have the licenses, tags, and everything you need. Just double check that for me before you go. And, and that's a great segue because uh, coming up, soon december 10th you have to have your spring turkey applications in and your bear hunting applications in december 10th is the deadline for that and that'll come up quick and it sneaks up on people yeah so go into your go wild account verify you have everything you need there and buy those spring permits sure one quick question i just got texted um from a listener that if you have you know obviously you have to pick public or private for your Mm -hmm. doe tags which i think is kind of a good question if you're hunting on private ground and you shoot the deer and it ends up on public, how do you, does that present an issue? In every, um, wardens have discretion, right? So we (laughs) always want the person to ideally harvest that animal on the land type that they are allowed to. But um, what I generally say is that it's like, where where does the killing shot occur? So did the fatal shot occur on private land and you have a private land tag and it just ran and died and expired on public Mm -hmm. land? Go ahead, put your private land tag on it. That's no big deal. But now if that was a poor shot, maybe a gut shot, and that deer is, you know, laying down but still very clearly alive um, and you need to finish it off, now you're kind of putting yourself in a little bit of a unique situation. And whenever hunters get themselves into those situations, we always encourage them to call the tip line, self-report, notify, speak to a local warden, um, and maybe, you know, attempt to purchase the correct tag or do what they can to make sure that they do that legally. Um, And same thing with registration. It is by 5 p.m. the day after recovery. That's not optional. It's mandatory to do. But we get that stuff gets away from you. Maybe it's 6 o'clock. Maybe it's the day after call and just tell us hey i forgot to report it and report your harvest i'm sure brian would agree that having that harvest is better to be reported than not at all so report it a little late excellent wow here we are yeah it's all done already it is but uh again uh brian thank you again for taking the time it's always a pleasure to have you no problem Uh, Wish you good luck on Saturday. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You too. Kara, great to see you as well. Thank you. And Amanda, thanks for taking the time to join us here. It was great to have you a part of our uh, our annual two-hour live show and, from Fleet Farm. And i got to give a shout-out to the guys behind the scenes, Alec, Alex yep. in Alex. the studio, and Justin, who sets us up here every year, does an amazing job. Yep. Makes a lot us of people sound good. And that's not easy. These guys <laughs> make, make us look good, <laughs> if that's at you. all possible. Yeah, I know. But, but um, yeah, I, Randy, I wish you luck and I hope everything you. goes well. And, again, uh, appreciate it. Uh, to everybody out there, you know, have a safe hunt. Remember to put your safety harness on. It will save your life. And, uh, you know, make sure you're uh, up to speed on all the, the rules and regulations. And don't forget about Orange Friday here at Fleet Farm. A lot of stuff going on here as well. But, uh, again, thanks for tuning in tonight. It's always a pleasure for us to uh, share our passion for living the outdoors with you. And, remember, if you have the opportunity – to impact somebody's life through the outdoors, take advantage of it. It will make you a better person. So thanks for tuning in tonight. Have a great evening and live life in the outdoors.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.